Would you go to Luke, please? Luke chapter 6. On my part, we begin talking about my father in the faith and, and your bishops and first ladies and many of you father in the faith. Brother Kenneth Hagin, somebody had asked him what he considered to be some of the main keys to his success in ministry. And I had heard him say this and answer this different ways, same thing over and over, but he said uh, two main things. Number one, giving first place to the Word of God. Talking about the written Word of God. And we camped and talked about that means the whole Word of God. Right? You got to watch about the enemy saying, oh, that's not for us. The Old Testament's not for us. And yeah, I've even heard some people say, well, the Gospels are not to us. And, and this book and that book in the New Testament, well, that's to somebody. Well, can you see what the enemy's doing? He's whittling down the Word of God out of your life. No. Everything God does is forever. And uh, it's not that he changed from Old Testament to New. Our covenant changed. Our access to him changed. Number two is what I want to talk about some today. Praying in the spirit. He's talking about praying in other tongues. And then acting on the leadings of the spirit. Now he said that about number one too. He said giving the word of God. Talking about the written word first place and acting on. Don't let that get by you. Because you can know it for years and get no results. Unless and until you, you act on it. And the same thing is true with the leadings of the Holy Spirit. Now in Luke the 6th chapter, Luke chapter 6, verse 12. It says, it came to pass in those days that Jesus went out into a mountain to pray. And he continued all night in prayer to God. Now, if there was anybody that you could say was spiritual enough and knowledgeable enough that they didn't need to pray much, it would have been the master. Is that right? And he prayed. And he prayed a lot. Sometimes he prayed all night long. If Jesus needed to pray, oh, come on, you need to say this out loud. Say it out loud. If Jesus needed to pray, I need to pray. If Jesus needed to pray a lot, I need to pray a lot. Is that happening? I know uh, Phyllis, my wife, who's a wonderful minister herself. A while back, she had been ministering to our people, led by the Spirit, to encourage them to pray five minutes in other tongues every day. You might say, five minutes? Most people are not doing any. It's really sad. And a whole lot of preachers do very little praying. And then they'll turn around and ask, wonder why we don't have more happening. Wonder why this. Wonder, uh-oh, you're quite it, God. Say it again. 
If Jesus needed to pray, I need to pray. If he needed to pray a lot, I need to pray a lot. True? Now, of course, it matters how you pray. You can pray wrong. You can pray and not get results. But obviously, he, he prayed right. Notice the results in verse 13. When it was day, after he prayed all night long, he called to him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. Now this is big. These individuals have their names permanently etched in the foundation of the wall of the heavenly city. So how many think it was important that he picked the right people? Somebody says, well, yeah, well, that was Jesus. He already knew, and he said he couldn't have made a mistake. No, you're wrong about both of those. He didn't already know. Philippians talks about, one translation said he emptied himself. He laid aside his mighty weight and power and glory and became like other men. Now, if Jesus did what he did as God, how can he, uh, you know, charge us to do what he did? I'm not God. You're not God. We, We can't relate. But if he did it, As a man, with no unfair advantage over us, but anointed by the Holy Spirit. And of course, you understand, if he's operating as God, he doesn't need to be anointed. The anointer doesn't need to be anointed. But because he was functioning as a human being. He had to be anointed at at the river when he was baptized. The Spirit of God came on him. Prior to that, he wasn't anointed like that. And so this is also why he needed to pray. And while he was praying, he got things. He saw things. He heard things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then he went and did them. He went and acted on them. Can you see this? Sometime, and I I tend to believe it was while he was praying all night. Why did he pray extra that night? Can we see anything special that happened right after that? Yeah. The naming of the 12 apostles. The choosing selection of them. Why them instead of somebody else? What was it based on? He said, I I do always those things that please the Father. He didn't choose them based on any natural criteria. He did it because that's who he saw while he was praying and waiting on God. Is that right? He saw this one, and he saw that one, and he saw the other one. And then the next day he went straight and named them and, and called them. Designated them. Hallelujah. Now the scripture says the servant is not above his master. 
But everyone that is perfected and fully developed will be as his master. So if that's the way Jesus had to do it. How do you and I make our decisions? Random? Analyzing data? Now you're laughing, but people go by their head way too much. The Bible said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. Now you use your understanding. That's why God gave it to you. You use it. But when it comes time to make the decision, you don't go by this. You go by this. You don't go by your head. You know why? Because you will never have enough information up here to make the right decision every time. For one thing, what do you know about the future? But the one who lives inside you, who influences your spirit, knows the end from the beginning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm talking about what Brother Hagin said. He said key to his success. People would talk about, well, Brother Hagin's a a faith man, a word man, yes, also a spirit man. And this is where many in our camp have made serious mistakes. They learn some principles about faith and some principles about standing on the word, but they have separated it from a living fellowship with God and from hearing from the Spirit on a regular basis, and it doesn't work. So they're deciding, I'm going to believe for this. And what I got to do is when I pray, believe that I receive it and call those things that be not. No, you skipped a big step. You're not ready for that. Because how does faith come? Come on, church. How does it come? Not just waves bouncing off your eardrum. That word means A a living word, a spoken word, a quickening word. Faith comes by hearing from him. Not randomly picking a verse out. According to your intellect. People say, we just stand on the word. It's a big book. Which which one? Is that how Jesus operated? That's not how he operated. He prayed. I said he prayed. He communed with God. He did it a lot. And he heard from him. I said he heard from him. And when you hear from him, faith comes. That's when the faith comes. And that's when you're ready to act. Not before. In the uh, John, if you'd look, please. John, chapter 6. Actually, chapter 5. I'm I'm moving a little too quick. John, chapter 5. You you hear people talking about faith failures. There is no such thing. 
The faith of God does not fail. God does not fail. But there's confusion. And people calling things faith. That's not faith. And people have tried to. To believe for things. And claim things. And do things. And they've stood. And, and they claimed it. And they confessed it. And confessed it. And it did not happen. And this is the missing component. You don't just operate. You don't just pull something out of the air. Well, I'm going to believe for this. You know, when it comes to uh, projects in the church, God has been so gracious to us. And I know he has you too. But I mean, everything we have stepped out to believe God for has come in. And I mean come in in a hurry. Millions of dollars. Come, just come right in. And people say, well, well, how does that work? Well, like exactly what we're talking about. What did Brother Hagin say? What was keys to his success in the ministry? Word be in first place. And acting on the word. What else? Praying in the spirit. And in acting on the prompting. We don't have a project just because we need something or want something in the church. And when you see that you should have a project, how much? What do you go by? What's the number? Let me say, well, it's going to cost this much. That doesn't mean you have faith for that. See, the, the people are filling in the blanks too much. Are just leaving things, not having heard from Him. I know the way the Lord has helped us is, you know, I, I may I may be looking at a project for months or years. I don't mean I'm thinking about it every day, but comes up again and and I look at it and and then if I see this is the right thing to do. Now on the other hand, sometimes show you two days before. But it, it's a living thing. It's a living dynamic. And I know I cannot just step out and say, we're going to claim this. We're going to do this. If I hadn't heard from him, it ain't going to go. I can't produce it. And then you got folks that, you know, they spend a whole lot of time trying to motivate the people to give. Big mistake. I said, big mistake. Pulling on people. Asking them to commit. Asking them to this and that. Well, that's not what you want. You want the Spirit of God dealing with them. Is that right? And the only way that's going to happen is if you're doing what you heard from Him. If it's His plan, you don't have to ask Him to bless it. (laughs) You don't have to struggle to try to make it work. This is what has happened over and over again when people have stepped out to do things. And and maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a needed thing. But the Lord didn't tell them to do it. And they struggle and they struggle and the money doesn't come in. And it gets longer and longer and longer. And the longer things go, the more discouraged people get. And that's just poor leadership. 
And so many times it's because, you know, instead of seeking God about it, folks, we're just drinking coffee and watching TV and, and goofing off. And, and then they just got up and said, we're going to do this. Is that how Jesus did it? No. Tell me how Jesus did it. And what Brother Hagin was saying, he mentioned two things. 50% of it was this. Praying in other tongues. Praying in the spirit. And then what? Acting on what he got when he was praying. And I've heard him say this time after time after time. In the services, in his services, when we'd see, you know, the gifts of the spirit manifest and operate. And he'd say, yeah, I was praying this afternoon in the room. And I saw myself do this. And then he just showed up and the spirit of God started moving that way. And sure enough, it was the right place. He just did what he saw. God moved. Miracles, healings. That's a far cry from just trying something. You just coming up with a schedule and plan and trying to implement it. Not the same thing at all. God's not obligated to anoint everything we come up with. God's not obligated to provide for and underwrite every wild idea we come up with. And he doesn't. He's not going to help you miss him. He cares too much about you. And he's never going to say, you know, after looking at your plan, I like your plan better than mine. So we just got to go, that ain't never going to (laughs) happen. Is that right? That wouldn't be true. (laughs) Woo. (laughs) John 5, did you find it? Man, the Lord's helping us on this this morning. He's helping us. You, you're about to read an amazing miracle here. And then you'll see detail in the same chapter how Jesus did it. John 5. There was a feast of the Jews. Jesus went to Jerusalem. There is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind people, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of water. Now, a multitude can be thousands. A great multitude is even bigger than that. So there are at least hundreds of people here. Probably more than that. There's a lot of people here. An angel went down and it talked about, and, these, and God does special things and signs and wonders, and, and we saw that. But verse 5, there was a, a certain individual had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he asked him, will you be made whole? And he said, I don't have anybody to put me in. He said, rise, take up your bed and walk. Immediately the man got up and took his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. Now, let's just stop right here. If you read the rest of the chapter, nobody else in those five porches got healed right then. One man out of these hundreds or thousands. Jesus goes up to those porches. 
He goes to this man. He asks him a couple of questions. He commands him, rise up and walk. And a miracle happens. And he stands up. And he's healed. And Jesus turns and leaves. And leaves five porches of sick people there. Sick. True or not? Now there are other instances where multitudes came to him to be healed. And they were healed every one. Is that right? But they also heard the word. He preached to them. The faith came from here. That's not what's happening here. This is ministry by the gifts of the Spirit. Working the miracles. And special faith. He commanded. Why did he do that for him? And not somebody else. And you hear people say. Well because he's Jesus. He could do that whenever he wanted to. He said he couldn't. Jesus said he couldn't do that. Whenever he wanted to. We're about to read it. In this same chapter. When the the religious leaders were all upset. Verse 17. Jesus said. My father works hitherto. And I work. He said. We work together. And you'll see him say it repeated. He didn't do anything on his own. And. And. Verse 19, let this, let this impress you. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. Did Jesus say, I couldn't do this just because I wanted to or because I decided to? Is that true or not? Most of the church doesn't believe that. They believe, well, you know, he's a son of God. He can do whatever he wants, whatever he wants. Not according to him. I said, not according to him. We got to make up our mind whether we believe this or not. And the good news is, he's showing you how to do it. He's showing me how to do it. Because he's doing it as a man. He said, the son can do nothing of himself, but what? But what? What he sees the father do. Now, here's something that greatly helped my understanding when I saw it. I thought, well, how is he seeing the father do that? Jesus said, you remember talking to to his disciple later. He said, if you've seen me. You've seen the father. What does that mean? He saw himself do it. He saw himself do it, but he knew it wasn't just him. It was the father in him that was doing it. And that's the right way to say it. Because you can of yourself do nothing. So it was the father who did it, but he did it through you. Through him. And the the way it came out and was walked out is that he saw it first. He saw it. Can you see this? He said, uh, that's what Brother Hagin said, praying in the spirit and in what? Acting on the promptings, leadings, direction 
of the Holy Spirit. Because you cannot genuinely spend hours waiting on God and focusing on Him and praying in the Spirit and not get anything. That ain't going to happen. If you got your mind on Him and your heart open to Him and you wait for any length of time, you're going to start getting things. You will. And when we say seeing something, don't over-spectacularize it. What do you mean? I'm not talking about falling into a trance. I'm not talking about an open vision. Now, you know, Brother Hagin had that vision where the master taught him about the Holy Spirit and about visions. He said there were three different kinds of visions that he told him about. It was the open vision, it was a trance, and it was spiritual vision. And he said this, and this was this is enlightening to me when I heard it. He said, the highest type of revelation and the lowest type of vision are very similar. Well, what does revelation mean? It was revealed and you saw it. And we actually talk that way. God shows you something and, and you say, I saw that. I see that. You're not talking about you had a fell into a trance. You're not talking about that you had an open vision. Those things happen too, but not most of the time. And you could live and die and never have an open vision and it wouldn't mean you're not spiritual. It just means God didn't see fit to do that. And, and with those things can come some real responsibility of that revelation, like what Brother Hagin had, a revelation that he had a responsibility to get that to the world. That's why he said when he, before the school started and all that, he's driving in between his meetings and he'd say he'd be ministering to, you know, 200 people for three or four weeks. He's driving away and he, by himself in the car at night, he said tears had just come down the cheek. He said, God, we got to get this revelation out. We got to get this. He, he had that uh, burden, if you want to call it that. He knew, and thank God, Rhema was raised up. Hallelujah. We got to go. Hallelujah. And now thousands upon thousands are ministering these revelations. But we don't want to lose how the one that God used to give us these revelations, how he did it. And who did he learn from? The head of the church. Is that right? How he did it. Keep reading. The son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. For what things soever he does, these also does the son likewise. For the father loves the son and what? Shows him all things that himself doeth and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. How did Jesus do the amazing works that he did? He saw them. How did he see them? Communing with the Father. Praying. Now that doesn't mean you got to be kneeling with your hands like this. You can commune with God while you walk. Is that right? While you're riding the car. But there do need to be times when you got everything off and there are no distractions. Is that right? And we live in such a loud, busy world. Oh, friend, have some times where you turn your devices off. 
Some people are continually interrupted. Every time their device dings or buzzes, it's like an involuntary reaction. Ding. Ding. Is that being led by the Spirit? It's being led by ding. Buzz. Ding. Buzz. Now we're laughing, but that'll cause you to be carnal. It'll hinder your spirituality. Because if this is occupying your mind all the time, it's not being influenced by the Holy Spirit. It's on a different channel. It's okay to use these things, but man, you need to limit it. You need to limit it. And there need to be times when you are unplugged. And everybody knows, you know, no, they're waiting on God right now. Don't bother them. Right? I assure you most things will wait. And should. Go ahead and say it out loud. I am not led by technology. I'm not led by my devices. I'm not led by needs. I'm not led by people. I'm not led by feelings. I'm led by the Spirit of God inside. That's how I'm led. That's how I'm directed. Go on over to the um, the 16th chapter of John. I, I tell you, go to there, but hold that place and go to Luke 22. We'll read that first. Luke 22. Then we'll go on over, I think, to John 16. Luke 22 and 8. Well, verse 7 says, there came the day of unleavened bread and the Passover must be killed. And Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare us a Passover that we may eat. And they said to him, where will we go? You ever ask that question? (laughs) Well, where where are we going to have it? Where are we going to do it? How do you answer that question? Well, you find out which place is the cheapest <laughs> or the most convenient. That's leaning to your own understanding. Jesus said, now, now, this is a special time. It's what we call the Last Supper, right? This is a special time. Him and the uh, disciples, the apostles, before the, the cross, very special. And so... The place needs to be right. Do you know God knows the perfect place for everything? Is that right? The perfect time, the perfect way, who ought to be there, how it ought to go. But how can you find out such things? Oh, somebody got it. How can you find out such things? You got to pray. You got to pray. You got to seek God. You got to spend more than 30 seconds. Is that right? You got to pray and wait on him, ask him, inquire of the Lord. Lord, where where should we have this? When should we do this? Who should do this? Ask some questions, wait, 
And then say, Lord, help me to pray about that. Start praying in tongues. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Just pray for a while and keep your mind on him and keep your focus on him. And and you don't always see it that moment. And you might not even see it that day. But you just keep your focus on that. You keep looking. Seek. Seek. Ask. It'll be given. Seek. What if you don't even look? Uh, because you don't want to be bothered with it. You turn it over to somebody else and they go, they're not going to pray either. <laughs> That's how you wind up at the wrong place. You paid too much. You had problems. It didn't work. <laughs> somebody missed God. How do we get into all this? No. There was a right place and time. And so Jesus said... When you go into the city, there's going to be a man there. He'll be carrying a pitcher of water. And just follow him to his house. <laughs> this guy was probably toting his water jug on. <laughs> These guys following me. And they followed him all the way to his street. Then they followed him to the house. He's like, who are these guys? <laughs> and... Uh, See what house he goes into. And then say to the goodman of the house, the master says to you, where's the the room? Where's the chamber where I can eat the Passover with my disciples? They don't know these people. But this is very specific, isn't it? There's going to be a man. He'll have some water jug. Go to the house. The man that owns a place will be there. You can talk to him. Where did this come from? Jesus saw this. Come on, can you see that? He, he saw all of this. What is this? This is word of knowledge. This is word of wisdom. This is discerning of spirits. This is seeing and knowing. Brother Hagin talked quite a bit about that. And he prophesied that the spirit of seeing and knowing would be increased in the last days. Hallelujah. We're living in the latest days anybody's lived in so far. Is that right? Say it out loud. I respect. I honor the Holy Spirit. Let the spirit of seeing and knowing be manifested on me. And in me, and for me, to a greater degree. Hallelujah. But in order for that to happen, we've we got to pay attention. And, and we keep coming back to this, but you you got to pray. Now you're laughing, but as a general thing, people don't pray. Mm-mm. Most Christians Barely pray. Hardly at all. Many ministers, very little. And it's a mistake. It's how you miss things. The Lord gave me this phrase some years ago. Prayers get previews. (laughs) People who pray a lot, they see things and know things before other people do. 
They do. And it's not because God plays favorites. It's just because you wanted to take some time with him. When everybody else was too busy. Prayers get previews. Man, I'm giving y'all all my nuggets this morning. What's, what's going on, y'all? Uh, the Lord, Lord gave it to me. So He said, he will show you a big, large upper room. It's already furnished. Get ready there. This is how Jesus lived. And the great thing is, since the new birth, and since the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, you and I can function just this way. We're supposed to operate just and walk even as he walked. That's the call. I have preached myself happy. I mean, don't it make you want to pray in the Holy Ghost? Yeah. Yeah. Woo. God's got some good things he wants to show you. I talked about these reserves that we go to chapter 16. We'll we'll get to there in just a minute. But back in October of a few months ago, we had our, one of our main meetings. We call it the uh, uh, week of increase. And prior to that, you know, we have a project during that time and we have our great offering during that time. And and so what, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? And, and I know I can't just randomly pick something if we want it to work. I got to hear from him. Somebody said, well, you got to have faith for it. Yeah, and how does faith come? <laughs> I, I got to hear from him because I can't find in the scripture where Faith Life Church in October project, you know, so I look at this and I look at that and I'm praying and I'm, first of all, ask. I asked, Lord, what should we do? What should we do? And so then, even though I don't know it yet, I get in faith. He will show me. Is that right? He will. This is his church. This is his bit. He will show me. I'll get it. And so now I'm looking for it. Checking my heart. And I'll have a thought and maybe a verse. I'll look it up and think on it. And eventually I won't go through all. But this, this happened over a period of, you know, weeks and, and months. And, and eventually I, it kept coming up in my spirit about reserves. About the reserves. Because anytime there's a, a publicly made project like that. It's not just about that ministry or church's needs being met because you could believe for it without announcing it. But if it's something that you should announce publicly, that's because the Lord wants the same thing to happen for those people that so into it. It's about them reaping like kind. Which is why you would take the time to talk about it. Faith comes by hearing. And so... Um, The Lord began to quicken that to me. And in prayer, I saw in my spirit silos. 
like grain silos filled to the top. And and I got the figure of uh, $5 million. Five silos, million dollars in each one. And the more I thought about it, the more I prayed about it, the stronger I got them. And when it came time for the meeting, I'm still, you guys still got to step out by faith. Amen. Right? Yes. But I told the graphics department and they found silos. We put pictures of silos up. On the screen, five big silos, and they don't have a thing in them. Empty. And we talked about it, and we and the Lord gave me the scripture back in Deuteronomy that uh, He will bless your storehouses. Storehouses. He bless. He calls. He command the blessing. Command the blessing on your storehouses. What if you hadn't got a storehouse? And uh, I'm telling you, we talked about it. And you can tell when it's God because the people have the same spirit. Is that right? And if the Holy Spirit inspired it here, he's going to confirm it there. Come on, can you see that? And the people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they can see their storehouse getting filled up. Is that right? And I mean, here it come. It just started coming up. Every night it would come up some more. Every night it come up some more. And now it filled up. Five million. Come right on in. But is that an idea I just had? No. No. How how could I have faith for it? I saw it. How could the people have faith for it? They saw it. They heard it. It bore witness with them. Can you see this? We must stop this random stuff. Just doing things based on need. Said out loud, I must hear from him. I have to hear from him before I take a step. And if that means waiting on God for days, weeks, months, you wait till you get it. You wait till you get it. I know I saw this with Brother Hagin. I mentioned I had the privilege of working in the helps ministry there at their ministry and in the healing school I saw him and interacted with him personally and this was something that as a young minister was strange to me and, and then I understood it later on he'd come in sometimes I think this one time he was all stirred up and he talked about doing something in the, in, in the healing and prayer ministry and making some big changes and I heard it and a couple of others. We thought, glory to God. Now, yeah, that's God. That's God. And I figured we'll start that probably tomorrow. <laughs> Two years passed. Not a word. Then he comes in one day and says, you know that thing? We're like, what thing? We had forgot about it. <laughs> he brought it with like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, we're going to start that next week. Yeah. We not only need to find out if we do something, we need to find out what we going to do, when we going to do it, where we going to do it, how we going to do it, who's going to be involved. The first steps, we 
must get his direction every step of the way. Every step of the way. And all through the day. And every day after. You just keep checking. You just keep checking your heart. You just keep checking your heart. You don't just fill in the blanks randomly. Walking by faith doesn't mean you're independent. You are completely dependent. On God. On the Holy Spirit. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways. Oh somebody say all your ways. All your ways. How many of your ways? Not just the spiritual things on Sunday. All your ways. Every purchase. Everything to do with your house. With your job. Come on y'all listening. Everything. You keep. How, how do you acknowledge him? How do you acknowledge him? You, you got to be aware of him. And you say, Lord, I know you're here. You never leave me. You never forsake me. And I'm asking you, what do I do on this? What, how do we do that? Show us. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall. Shall. You can count on it. Direct your paths. In closing, I think, chapter 16. No, no guarantees. You know how could get stirred up. John 16. The Lord has helped us this morning. We've been reading, talking about Jesus. Here, he's talking about us. John 16, 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth is come. Did he come? Came on the day of Pentecost. Is that right? When he has come, he will guide you into all the truth. He'll not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will. Jesus said. Jesus, the head of the church, said, He will show you things to come. That's glimpses of the future. And involved in this are the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit. Don't over spectacularize these things. They can come so. See, you got to remember. When the Spirit of God speaks to you, it's going to be very, very familiar. Amen. He is inside you 24-7. It's not going to be some strange thing from the outside. He's in you. Amen. You're in continuous contact with Him. Your mind to your spirit to His spirit. Continuously. He knows everything. About everything and the plan and whatever that, that the father and the master won't said to you, yes. he will say it to you. Yes. He will say what he hears yes. and he will show you. Yes. And it can come not in a spectacular fashion, but just all at once, you know something you did not know yes. from two seconds before. And when you analyze it, 
How do I know that? I didn't learn it. How do I know that? It was it just revealed to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then many times the highest type of revelation, like Brother Hagin said, is very similar to the lowest type of vision. What we call in your mind's eye, what we call just seeing it in your spirit. Not an open vision, not falling into a trance, but very distinctly. And you see and know think glimpses of things. Like we said, prayers get previews. Well, a preview is something to come. Keep reading. He will glorify me. This is one way you know it's the Holy Spirit. His job is not to glorify you. Amen. Make everybody notice you. Impress everybody with you. That is not the, the ministry. That is not the mission. But he will glorify Jesus. He'll receive of what is Jesus. And what will he do? Come on. Notice how he keeps using this word show. He will show it to you. And in case you weren't paying attention, he said, all things the Father has are mine. And that's why I said he will take of what's mine and he will show it to you. Hallelujah. Oh, get stirred up in your spirit, child of God. Somebody say, he will show it to me. That's one of the main ministries of the Holy Spirit. He will show it to you. What am I going to do about my kids? How in the world am I going to deal with this situation? He will show it to you. He will show it to you. What am I going to do about my business and about being behind on my taxes and He will show it to you. He will show it to you. What about my marriage, Lord? How am I so much water under the bridge? How in the world can we get to say, can it be fair? He will show it to you. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. He will show it to me. Put your hands on your midsection. The Bible said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Said out loud, said out loud, and then we're going to pray a little bit. Say, the living God lives in me. The Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of Truth, lives big in me. He guides me into all the truth. He brings to my remembrance everything the Lord said to me. And He shows me everything I need to see. Things to come. Help me right now. Holy Spirit, give me utterance. Oh, fantastic. King J.
This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.